Hello, everyone, and welcome to Grow With Us. My name is Evan Barton, and I'm your host who helps create conversations with the movers and shakers of a growing tech center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Grow With Us is a podcast that highlights the work of In Tulsa and informs you about the exciting and innovative work being done around the city by its best and brightest. In Tulsa's mission is to connect talented individuals and companies to stimulate economic growth in Tulsa and to create more prosperous communities across the region. Each episode, Grow With Us discusses the growth of opportunities, the growth of communities striving for change, or the tech and innovation that is changing the landscape of Tulsa. This week, we're in conversation with Derek Alexander, financial advisor at Northwestern Mutual, who'll be chatting with me about personal financial literacy, knowing how to strategize for yourself with your dollars, and financial planning for communities. Derek, it's so great to have you on this episode. Hey, it's great to be here. Um, I'm super excited. I I am too. I've had so I kind of always jump into like how I know the person that I'm I'm interviewing and talking with right now. And um, Derek was one of like the first people you you gave me like the brain tinglies whenever we were talking about like our finances and stuff <laughs> through um, like through work benefits and things like that. And I I always know those people uh, that awesome. that that are allowing me to do that because I like the brain tinglers are like oh, this is something I need to know. And yeah. and you're telling it to me and I'm vibing with what you're saying, but I'm listening. And I, I don't know, podcasts do that sometimes. So hopefully we can create some brain tingles. Yeah, let's get some someone. brain tingles going. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Uh, Derek, go ahead and tell me your story in whatever way you feel comfortable. I'd love to hear it. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually born and raised from Tulsa, Oklahoma. You know, I've been here pretty much the whole time. I have like moved around and kind of done some different things uh, with sports. But, uh, you know, grew up, went to Victory, then went to graduated from Booger T. Washington, played at the University of Tulsa. Oh, yeah. If you're I mean, as you know, like Booger T is the the place to be, <laughs> the place to be the hive. The hive. I love it. Um, <laughs> but um so after that, played at the University of Tulsa. I uh, had the opportunity to go to a few rookie mini camps uh, with the Redskins and Rams. Tore my calf, came back, well, trained for like a year. Then kind of, but uh, and then uh, spoke with a friend and became a financial advisor. And I've pretty much been doing that ever since. Found my wife. Now I got two kids, and we're here. That's the story. That's awesome. Yep, yep. I think I just I I think the sports. Uh, conversation is one we have to have because I, I also grew up playing sports and stuff and I think it's really interesting like I I remember at one point I was like the sport I was playing was like boring me at some point and I was like I should just ask the coach about their life and a lot of I mean all of my coaches had like professional careers outside mm -hmm. of their work and a lot of people told me they were in finance I didn't think I really understood what some of the coaches were doing but it was like an interesting way. Like you said you like had a conversation with someone on your like a player or someone that you knew. Yeah. And that's like triggered something. So because you're in like such tight knit groups of communities with with sports, you guys really get to know each other. Yeah. I mean, my introduction to becoming so the way the way I became a financial advisor actually came from like that year when I came back and I was trying to get back healthy, you know, mm -hmm. trying to be able to run. I would work out at TU every day because they would allow me to be able to come back. While I was there, there was a guy that was in our finance department by the name of Pete Sandman. Shout out to the Sandman. Mm -hmm. And uh, he would work out in there every day. And I remember I would uh, I, I remember one day I asked him, I was like, hey, I'm not, you know, really wanting to hang up my cleats yet, but I do want to start 
kind of get an idea of what might be next. And he said, uh, he actually gave me like a list of names of people to call that were like TU alumni. Mm -hmm. And he was like, take them to lunch. And I called him, took him out to lunch. Everybody said yes. And then I remember leaving those meetings and I would say, man, I wish I could just sit down and hear people's stories every day. I was like, mm -hmm. I wouldn't feel like I was working a day in my life. Mm -hmm. And I started looking at careers where I could sit down and hear people's stories. And then financial advisor was, you know, I was like, okay. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. That's how it is. I mean, that's literally, I remember, it was, I'll never forget driving in the car. I was like, if I could just sit down and hear people talk about like their origin story, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? I was like, I love hearing that. Yeah. So. No, it's so, and it's so integral. I mean, we'll get to this part in our later in our conversation, but finances really are part of people's stories. I yeah. mean, it is fundamentally um, one, a, a choice you sometimes don't get to make, you yeah. know what I mean? If you, if you really take it back to the beginning and it's, it's why it's an important, important knowledge set to learn and, and why it's a constant journey. I mean, mm -hmm. I have a lot to say about finances. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's an important topic. You know, I mean, it it literally is in every aspect of our life, you know, mm -hmm. to, to an extent. And it's a form of energy. You know, yeah. I, you know, money allows people to show what's important to them. You know, if they mm -hmm. have the resource to be able to do that sometimes, you know, when we're when we're tight. We really got to be, you know, cognitive of what we're putting our money into. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it's important, and that's why I like it because it literally when, when people talk to me about their money, they usually end up talking to me about their family emotions, mm -hmm. and then uh, you know I'm pretty opinionated, and I you know I love giving advice, and that's where I realized I was like, I'd be doing this if I if I wasn't doing anything, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly, exactly. Well, tell me about. Um, I mean, it sounds like from from your story, Tulsa's played a big part in in your life and and everything. So, what has your experience and relationship with Tulsa been like over the past? you know, your life. <laughs> yeah. Tulsa has been, I would say electric, mm. you know, uh, just because it's, and what I mean by electric is like the full scope of it. Like you don't really know what's coming. You don't really know where it's going to land. You know what I mean? Like electricity, mm. electric and meaning like lightning or thunder, like, you know, it's kind of just harboring and it's kind of just there. And then all of a sudden it just strikes, you know, yeah. to me, like that's the way Tulsa is. A lot of times, like my friends that have moved here, or even guys that played here, it's like, oh, like Tulsa, what's Tulsa? You know what I mean? And then they get here and then they end up staying, you know? Yeah. And they're like, man, I really enjoy Tulsa. But I guess to explain my experience, it was unique in the way, in the fact that like when I was coming up, like downtown Tulsa wasn't, you know, like the way it is today. Yeah. Like it was like a ghost town, you know? And it was still very separated. Like South Tulsa and North Tulsa was still very much a real, it, it was separated. But the cool thing about the way I was raised was I lived in North Tulsa and I went to school in South Tulsa. Mm -hmm. So I was always kind of going back and forth. So I was able to kind of experience different things and almost really like see, compare and contrast the communities. Yeah. So now I fast forward, you know, I'm at TU and I'm starting to see Tulsa like cultivate and starting to see more like integration. You know what I mean? And you starting to see people are moving into town and it's almost like a lightning bolt hit. Right. Like it like to me as a native Tulsa, and it feel, you know, there's a lot of electricity in the air of just so we're we're so excited about what Tulsa can be. You know, mm -hmm. and what it's becoming with people like yourself, right, moving in and and adding to the experience. I think that is so important because a lot of times, like some people will say like, oh, well, you know, Tulsa need to be doing this. Tulsa need to be do doing that. But honestly, the new blood that kind of comes in from out of state and the new exposure that you all bring adds to that excitement. You know what I mean? It pushes people. Mm -hmm. So 
that's that's what I would say about my experience. Some communities that have kind of been birthed, you know, recently uh, have been really helpful. Like due to my wife, like I was able to get plugged in with like Tulsa Remote, like building Tulsa, uh, talent in Tulsa. I mean, but there's just so many exciting things like those communities that are encouraging people to come to Tulsa um, and stay in Tulsa and build their families and their lives around in Tulsa have been uh, really helpful to, you know, some of the success in, in, in the work that I'm doing as far as being a financial advisor, uh, because it, it's able to help people. I'm able to also, since I'm from Tulsa, I'm also able to kind of direct them to like certain patches of like communities, essentially. Uh, or if they're even frustrated about Tulsa, and they're like, man, I just can't seem to, can't seem to like get in. I can kind of give some understanding as to like, well, why that may be, you know, and maybe uh, here's somebody that you should, you know, you should know or get in touch with 36 degrees north, you know, all those chains, uh, everything that's going on with Black Wall Street. Um, I mean, there are just so many communities that are almost kind of like breathing and coming alive together. Mm-hmm. Right. And at some point in time, like they they kind of enter, you know, they kind of uh, immerse in themselves with each other, you know. And it just creates like this big old great community of like forward thinking, smart, intelligent, diverse mm-hmm. people, uh, which a lot of good things can happen. Oh yeah, and we love we love the shout out in that list, and I I think it's so important that these communities do come together, especially with a conversation like finances and financial planning, because we have a lot to learn from each other. Yeah, that, that's really the one benefit of this community and us being connected to so many organizations that we get to we get to reap that benefit immediately which yeah, is awesome. so far yeah it creates a reaction of of people ideas opportunities um that's i i think that that's a really interesting analogy for it too cuz I, I would totally agree i think when you combine kind of someone's outside experience with what the the place that you're trying to change and someone that's passionate for that i think that that's that's when the electric happens that's when the magic happens and it's also really interesting we have very inverse experiences with schooling until we got to booker t because like i was going to school well i guess if you think about me going to booker t i lived in midtown south i lived in midtown and drove to and drove to north tulsa and you were in north tulsa driving to like south tulsa area and that is interesting. I bet that I bet that creates so such a different conception of what Tulsa's like for both of us. Yeah, and that's why I think you know what makes Booger T special. You know, a quick Booger T Booger T plug mm-hmm. uh, would be the fact that when you know, and I'll, I'd love to hear your experience about it uh, with it as well. But it didn't feel like there were clicks. Like I, I remember coming from a school that it was super clicky, you yeah. know. But I remember like the football team. Like I was on the football team and the speech and debate team, and we all hung out. You yeah. know what I mean? Like there was no like. You can't sit at this table. You can't sit at that table. Like everybody sat down with everybody. Everybody wanted everybody to do well. Like I remember going to support our uh, academic team. Yeah. Like, those are special things. And I see that trying to be emulated here in Tulsa, you know? Yes. I think what I've described to people about the energy of Booker T that really um, I think was a game changer for me was that everyone was proud to be a, a student of Booker T. And yeah. I think I could look at everyone and they would be like, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I go here. Which is that school spirit. When I got to college, nobody gave a crap about like sports or like what other people, everyone was so focused on themselves. And I feel like high school is such an, I mean, it's high school, but like you get to be in, be in people's lives at literally when they're changing the most. And that can, when you know that 
you know, the school spirit part isn't going to change. It's kind of unifying. Mm -hmm. it, it felt like it brought us all together. And that's why, like, you know, the pride of the great Southwest, like all, the school <laughs> hymn, like <laughs> yeah. I love, I love Booker T and I will always like Booker T always gets a plug on this. Podcast. Yeah. 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 I mean, and it's also, you know, it speaks to after you leave there. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I'm like me and my friends will go to Texas. I remember we went to California and we linked up with Booker T. I drove, I went to New York. Oh, I have friends out there that are in New York that were from Booker mm -hmm. T. Like, it's like a little fraternity, you know? Oh, yeah. It's good to have those connections. And I mean, it means we we come from a good place. <laughs> yes, yeah, 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 good stuff. <laughs> um, so kind of, I mean, I think this next question is really related to this too, but um, maybe a little bit deeper. So tell me a little bit more about your experiences with specific communities in Tulsa, or it can be beyond Tulsa, that have impacted you and your professional trajectory. Yeah. So uh, really, the interesting thing about that is one of the things I've had the biggest impact was seeing Tulsa through individuals' eyes that weren't from Tulsa. Mm -hmm. So when I was at TU and I had teammates coming to town, which is uh, the University of Tulsa, for those that don't know, mm -hmm. but I had teammates that would move to Tulsa and they would ask me, like, hey, where's like, where's the go? You know, where to go? Like, And then I'd take them there and then they would have an experience and they would see it through their lens. Mm -hmm. But then... When I would go to their town or let's say I go to Houston or I meet them in New York, whatever it is, uh, like I would get to experience their city, you know, through my eyes and where I was raised. So those things really, really shaped me. And I would say also the uh, I would say going back to, you know, going to school in South Tulsa and then like for, for them a large part of my life and then living in North Tulsa, like that experience there, since I was able to kind of see both sides you know, while one side may think one perception, while the other side might think the other perception, I was able to kind of just see, like, it's really all the same. Mm -hmm. You know, like, the kid that's in North Tulsa that may be, you know, in some trouble, that may be, you know, doing some things that he isn't supposed to do, the underlying reasons why he's doing those things are the same reason why the kid in South Tulsa is maybe doing something with drugs, you know what I mean, or, yeah. or dealing with some form of depression, you know what I mean? Like, it's all the same underlying feeling. So that really just kind of helped me really be balanced, mm -hmm. you know, instead of being too far one way, too far the other, you know, other way, it really allows me at times in my professional career when I sit down with people and they're telling me their story and it may be a great story or it may be a story of like, you know, you think, you know, I look like I'm doing really well, but I really need some help, you yeah. know, and it just allows you to have understanding and say like, okay, like you don't know what that person was going through, you know? So it just allows you to just be balanced and uh, gives people opportunities and, you know, just be patient, you know? Yeah. So that, the human experience is, is unfortunately universal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But it, you know, also professionally allowed me to get in the doors, you know, yeah. because I was able, since I'm, you know, I know people in this community, I know people in that community. Like when I walk around Tulsa, sometimes like when I'm with my wife, they're like, everywhere we go, you know, somebody, you know? And I'm like, yeah. well, I kind of was on you know, all over the place, you know, uh, and that's been a blessing. And, you know, that's been that's been very helpful as well. Yeah, I, I think that I mean, I really I really like the narrowing in on like the human experience being something that, you, you know, you can have such a different perspective throughout this whole city. Your experience is is isolated to your region or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's that's like what a lot of people say, like. Your experience with Tulsa, it depends on where you live or your experience with anywhere depends on where you live in that city. And so kind of getting to share that with other people is really important. And then, like you said, you can kind of draw that through line yeah. and see see where 
and I know it probably benefits you in your uh, professional career too, is kind of see like where if they had taken this step, they would be there. Or if they had taken this step, they might be down there, but they still have the chance to go up. You kind of see probably these ups and downs with people. You know, the the unique thing is, or I would say the interesting thing about like being a financial advisor is a lot of times when people hear a financial advisor, uh, I assume what they hear is investing in numbers and all these different things. But the true value of a financial advisor is the behavioral finance, right? So like d- helping people through their emotions during critical times mm-hmm. in their lives. And that's where I think like the human experience that you speak about is so important, right? Yeah. Like being able to sit down and understand uh, where somebody's coming from and how their experiences may affect what they do with their money. Mm-hmm. Like you got to understand that first before you try to correct a habit, you know, because mm-hmm. if you don't understand that and where it's coming from, all, it's just going to keep reoccurring, you yeah. know? So, um, and it's, and it's going to keep you from building a relationship, right? Because at the end of the day, like uh, you have influence with people that you have relationship uh, with, or you feel like they usually have your best interests at heart. Yeah. 100%. I, I kind of want to, we're, we're right on the door of this question I, and I kind of want to get to it because I, I really am curious about your perspective. So, you know, in my interactions with you and, you know, so so I met Derek originally when we were working on uh, my personal finances, <laughs> <laughs> which is so fun. I mean, it's so interesting to now be sitting Sitting with you like that, that conversation happened almost a year ago. Yeah. I, I have a lot to fill you in on. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> we got to get together. <laughs> if, some, if, if some time allows. But, you know, it, from what my interactions with you, I mean, I, I really get this passion for education and uh, for guidance, especially as it relates to personal finances and like investment management. Mm-hmm. And so can you kind of tell me about that passion and, and kind of any. Yeah, just tell me tell me about that, what that experience is like for you professionally. I think it's birthed out of the way I was kind of the community I was raised in. Right. Like for me growing up, I got a lot of things for free. You know what I mean? And it was just mm-hmm. out of uh, the goodness of people's hearts. You mm-hmm. know, uh, just, you know, if it was football, like I'd go to camps, you know what I mean? Or I'd get training and people are just willing to share knowledge. Uh, also, I was very opinionated and I liked giving advice uh, and I liked uh, learning about finance. I've always you know, it's all, you know, you kind of have those things that you pick up on, like for artists, it may be, you know, music or mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to think, you know, or I'm maybe a big drawing. gamer nerd. So oh, I know a lot of gaming things. You, it, yeah, like, and yeah. it just clicks to you. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it just clicks for me. Finance was just like a click, yeah. you know, and for me, it was really I really understood. I, I wasn't a fan of making things super complicated. So I was like. How can I make this as simple as possible? That way people can understand it. And it, it usually it usually helps. So that that's the big passion of it. And, and also the other big passion of it is, right, I get to meet people every day. I get to uh, get exposure to different businesses or people's financial situation or stories. And I get to basically put those all together every time I meet with somebody, mm-hmm. right? And I can just kind of sit back and I listen and I say, okay, where have I heard this? Before? You know, I may have heard this before. What may be the underlying theme of this that we may need to correct? Mm-hmm. You know, how do I word this? It's it's almost like I won't say a game, but uh, it's uh, it does scratch like some form of an itch for me, like sitting down. You know, I get to help somebody. I get yeah. to use my brain, you know, almost like a puzzle. And, uh, you know, I also get compensated. Yeah. <laughs> so Definitely. The, so it uh, so all those things, all those things like hit different things for me, you know, as far as, uh, 
the reason why I like doing what I'm doing. Yeah. I, I think something you said earlier of like, you know, when people think of the word financial advisor, I was going to interject, but now's a good time to interject instead of actually interrupting <laughs> you. Um, I thought of whenever I think of a, a financial advisor, there was a time in my life and maybe this time in my life was like a year ago yeah. and a half ago, but I would be like, what is, I don't know. I can't tell you what a financial advisor does. Mm -hmm. I think you're right on with like, everyone thinks that, a lot of people in the financial industry are really better at serving people with finances or people mm. with the the actual liquidity or capital to play in the game. Yep. But if you're not in the game, then I have no, I have no, there's no need to talk to a financial advisor because I got to get by basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, something that I grabbed from our conversation that you, that you when you were advising me is that like it's a game the whole time and you, it, you just got to decide when you're going to start playing. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, it's, uh, it's really up to you. Like building wealth is first, let me just kind of take a step back a lot for the large part of like advisors history. It has kind of been like that, you know, like it's my mom and dad's person, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Or, uh, you know, they only work with X amount of dollars. I got to have half a million dollars to go talk to them, you know. Mm -hmm. But the unique thing about the landscape that we're in now is almost everybody's going after, you know, you look at the Robin Hood, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Charles Schwab, you know, Fidelity, like everybody's going after it now. Uh, it's just. I think, uh, like we said, we spoke about this before, you know, we talked about timing, mm -hmm. right? If, if you reach somebody at the right time and uh, you tell them what you do, right? Because I caught you at the right time and yeah. it was like, hey, do you also want to, you know, talk about X, Y, and Z? Uh, and you're like, yeah. And then that conversation evolves and, you know, you're, you're allow yourself to receive that that uh, education or take those steps, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but before that, you may have heard it, you know, in passing and been like, mm, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So te with technology and with the advent of kind of the accessibility and financial knowledge and kind of that space, I, I think it would be great to kind of hear from you, Derek. What are some pieces of financial advice that you think are the most fundamental yet often not understood? Yeah, I think the most fundamental is uh, budgeting. Right. Uh, and I think the most important is saving. Mm. Okay. Uh, I think it's it's underappreciated because uh, one thing that you probably even heard me say maybe it was a year ago, but I always <laughs> say like I always tell my clients that it's easy. It's hard to raise capital. It's easy to deploy it. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's uh, it's hard for us to save money. So I always say, let's start with the hard thing in mind. You know, like let's get really good at just saving. Right. Mm -hmm. So if we have our budget. And we say, okay, I got two thousand, four thousand dollars a month, or whatever it is, uh, and whatever your expenses are. Well, whatever you have left over, have some way to capture it automatically. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And it may be in a place that you can't touch it, right? Um, you know, whether it be like your retirement plan, or it be like your Roth, or it be uh, like a outside money market account, right? Like just find some way to automatically capture that. Don't play. I always say like, don't play with it. Don't flirt with it. Yeah. Like you don't let it sit there in your account. Cause at, inevitably, you know, our friends are going to go to Cancun or something, you know, or there's going to be a car or we're going to have just like a crazy night, you know, mm -hmm. and, and the money's gone, you know, or Chris, a car breaks down, just whatever it is, just capture that money and just get really good at capturing it. And as your income grows, don't adjust your quality of living. Now, of course, if you have, you know, if you get married, you know, you have kids, things like that, like 
your expenses are naturally going to change. You get a different job. For the most of our ability, you know, or to the most of our ability, let's find a way to, to capture those dollars uh, on an automated savings. And I'm like, if you woke up at the end of the year and you save six thousand ten or twelve thousand dollars a year, twenty four, like whatever that amount is, if it's two hundred dollars a month, you know, or two hundred and fifty, like three thousand dollars a year, you wouldn't wake up and be mad. Oh no, right? Like you, yeah, <laughs> you wouldn't wake up and be mad. So let's. How do we create that situation? And then once we have the three thousand dollars, we can figure out how we want to spend it. Right? Yeah. I can break it up. I can put that three thousand dollars on debt. I could have it in my emergency account, which I always suggest having three to six months of savings, right? Um, like that should be the first thing, right? That should be the first thing, even before, you know, like debt reduction to mm -hmm. me is like, you got to have three to six months. And the reason why I say that is because like, if you're paying off debt, but you don't got your savings account, right? Like if you paid off your debt, but then your car, something happens to your car again, we're going to have to go use our credit card again, mm -hmm. right? So making sure we have a, a foundation uh, of cash, then expounding upon like, okay, now let's knock off some of his debt. So let's use the scenario of like $250 or, you know, let's say you had $3,000 at the end of the year, but you have your three to six months of savings set up. You may have the ability, right, to take $1,500, invest it, take $1,500, knock off some of your debt. And that, you know, like that's a start, you know, and then you just get it since it's automated, you're going to wake up, you know what I mean? Next year, and you're going to have the same thing, you know? Yeah. So, and then let's say you get a raise. All right, you get a raise. Now let's capture a little bit more. So now let's take that two fifty to five hundred. So now we got six thousand dollars at the end of every year, right? If you get a raise again, let's just keep inching that up. Uh, you know, along with your retirement plan savings, your Roth IRA. You know, you're doing all those right things. Uh, you know, you're, you'll begin to start feeling really good about yourself, and it creates this body of work. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, you're deploying your own capital, really, is, is kind of, and there's a strategy. Yeah, there's a strategy, uh, and it gives you options. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. I always feel like the reason why people sometimes feel like, you know, so stressed is because you don't have the option, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, man, once I get this check, the check's gone, right? But really what money's going to give us is the ability to give us options, right? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, as we're saving, doing different things, you know, a lot of people start ending up flirting with real estate, you know what I mean? So it's like, oh, man, I may want to do like a rental property or something, you know, but you don't have the cash to do it. Mm -hmm. It keeps us from having that issue. So it's like, okay, I do have the cash to do it. Do I really want to do it? You know what I mean? Exactly. You get to answer that question with the most knowledge instead of a a gamble or a risk, which are all, which are sometimes okay to take, but with <laughs> with real estate, you yeah, know, or yeah. with uh, you know, going to the slots. And not that that not to shame anyone that that uses to choose that uses the, their money for that choice. These are all just if you also have the the same stance of like, oh, I want to be saving, but then you're out spending. Yeah. Are you really saving like those types of things? Yeah, I think it's just like a natural progression. So it's like, OK, we got our fixed income. We got our or we are not our fixed income. We got our fixed expenses. We have our savings account after our savings account. Right. We may put some up for retirement, do a little bit of debt reduction. Right. Then then it will continue to evolve. Now we paid off our debt. Now we could maybe put in more into retirement. Maybe we create this little individual brokerage account to invest on my own. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, or maybe I know I do have plans to do real estate. So now I'm building up my cash reserve to be able to do that. But meanwhile, you still got all your cookie cutter stuff kind of going. You're oh, still yeah. saving. You're still doing that. You know, it just gives you the option. Right. And mm -hmm. I think that's where people want to. That's ultimately what people want. Uh, I think want to feel when it comes to freedom. Right. Like yeah. they don't want to feel like I got to be at this job. Mm -hmm. You know, like everybody want to work. Wants to, they they want to enjoy their job. 
but they don't want to necessarily be in a position to be 100% relying on it. Um, so, and, and I think those are those are tools. You may still have to rely upon your job. Like, you're still going to have W-2 mm-hmm. income. But um, it's, it can start advancing the ball for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that these these pieces of advice are are really foundational, fundamental, all of those words, but they're also the hardest ones to take sometimes. That's why you, you automate it. Yeah, you don't want to listen to yourself. You don't want that. The discipline sometimes is really challenging to muster up when you know, it's never looked like this for your family, or it's never been something that you've seen other people do. It's, it's not, um, you're not surrounded by a community of like, of people that are deploying their capital in a way that works for them in a way that builds the assets faster. So it's like, why would I be doing that? (laughs) Yeah, no, that that is a hundred percent. And it's, it's hard to kind of, I mean, I, I think that really what, really what, I mean by bringing that up is that for at least for me that's kind of a scenario I've been kind of grappling with over the past couple of years is that like you know these are I've gotten a lot of financial advice from my parents of course my parents were very supportive of me but I I'm starting out in a different financial situation than they were starting out in mm-hmm. and that that's obviously the fruits of their labor they wanted that to happen mm-hmm. but that means I have to listen to them differently um yes that's hard (laughs) yeah yeah no because people give you advice from where they are you know Mm -hmm. and and, uh you kind of have to take that in perspective because uh that actually happens a lot like you know you have client a client will come in and say oh i heard uh i need to do this with my taxes with my cpa or i need to set up i had one person say like yeah, I shouldn't do an LLC. I should do like a C corporation. And I was like, what? Like, <laughs> no, you should not. You know what I mean? But it, but like he got advice from somebody like it was a great. That like, set up a successful C company. Yeah, like that's yeah. that was a right. That was the right tool for them, you know. But I'm like, for you and what you're doing, like, no, like that is not. Yeah. So understanding people's vantage points. And also, like you said, the accessibility, the education, the community that you're in. Sometimes I feel like there's even a little bit of like shame you know what i mean mm-hmm. like you don't want to you don't want to uh you know undress you know in front of somebody you know what i mean yeah. like especially your your pocketbook <laughs> yeah i mean that's just like to me I, i'm like it's the equivalent of getting naked mm-hmm. you know what i mean like when you when somebody tells you you know about their financial picture like yeah. it's that same level of kind of like intimacy you and know vulnerability I mean? yeah sure. yeah man yeah, I, I think this is a great this is a great lead into our, the last question that I want to ask you and and definitely something we've already talked about a little bit. But, you know, we've talked about accessibility and we've talked about a lot, at least, you know, in my eyes, how future focused you kind of have to be with some financial planning. But how do you take how do you think folks should take their financial futures into their own hands and where it's a good place to get started? I think so. I think where people can start, I think first you have to have a conversation with yourself, right? And understand the type of person you are. Are you somebody that's going to need help or are you somebody who can do it on your own? Because there are people that can do it on your own. There's not not a lot. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But the majority of people are going to need help. But if you're somebody that can do it on your own or if you're somebody that needs help, understanding like, all right, what's the appropriate path to take? Like, um... So for me, I think it's just about like breaking down, like if you do want to work with an advisor, what are the ways that you can work with an advisor? Mm -hmm. Uh, So a lot of times, like if people have retirement plans through their work, like their 401k plans, there's usually an advisor associated with that, that you could reach out to and do some form of planning with. Okay. And really, I just kind of break it down to three scenarios. So one is I like to call the majority of advisors 
are like broker dealers, right? Uh, which basically means like the way that they're compensated is through some form of product implementation. So whether mm -hmm. that be like a life insurance, disability, uh, you open up a Roth with them, you move over an investment account, like there, there's some type of product that's going to be associated with it. And that's not a bad thing because mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times that gives uh, earlier investors like accessibility to them. So that's one way that people can work with advisors. And that's like, I would say like 70 or 80%. Like that's the majority of advisors. Mm -hmm. uh, the second capacity would be more like a fee-based planning advisor. So if you're somebody that may be more like, like I just want some direction. I don't really want to, you know, I, I don't really want to hand it over to you. You know, yep. a fee-based planner may just charge you like a flat fee, right, to put together a plan. And then they mm -hmm. can say, hey, we can help you implement it or not. Now, they're going to be a little bit more expensive than maybe like your broker dealer. They mm -hmm. may say, hey, maybe $1,000, $1,500 to do this financial plan. Uh, but the value that's created is the direction that's given. And then they could also help you with it as well. Third, the third option is going to be like your robo advisors, right? Like your Charles Schwab's or Fidelity's Wealthfront. It's a real popular mm -hmm. one. Um, like if you're somebody that you know, like, man, I'm going to do this on my own, like robo advisors, but you may need some direction when it comes to in investing. Like that's one of the reasons why robo advisors are there. Uh, a lot, sometimes like if you get like a premier service, they'll add advisors, a part of it. Uh, but, you know, more than likely it's probably like a 1-800. You'll get a different mm -hmm. guy every time. and You'll probably get like little patchy. It won't be like a holistic financial plan. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um I think those are I think those are really like three ways that individuals can get started. So one is like just know yourself. Like for me, like uh like I know I play football, I know I've worked out my entire life, but I still need a trainer. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like I just found out over years, I'm like, dude, I'd rather just like delegate this to somebody else. Like I, I could probably run my own workouts. You know what I mean? I even do the same thing with, you know, uh even with finance. You know what I mean? Like it's like I'm running my business. Like I still want to delegate it, you know what I mean, to somebody I trust. Yeah. Just because it's, sometimes it's just hard to all keep it all in, in, in one spot. So it's understand who you are. If you're somebody that you know you're going to need some form of accountability, you know you're going to need some some help, some touch point, you know, you got those two advisors, right? You got an advisor that uh, and a lot of us usually maybe have like a a roommate or a college bud or mm -hmm. somebody that may be reaching out to them, but we may not be giving them the time of the day, you know, right now because they're young, they just started. Um, but those individuals or just even just Googling, right? Like, because there are a lot of advisors out there that are targeting younger demographics. Yeah. So I think that's a good place to start. And then also you can always just kind of jump into like your robo-advisor or like your fee-based planner if you're somebody who just wants something flat. So I think those are the 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 best places. If you're if you're really just starting from like ground level and you're like, man, I'm you know, hop I'm in my new job, right? Yeah. Got some income coming in. Like, what are the things I need to do? Well, I think automation is your best friend. Do not try to do that stuff manually on your own. Like have a conversation with your bank. See if you have a savings account through them. See if it can just automatically pull it. And you're like, don't look at it. Like just keep doing that yeah. until you hit your goal. And then after your goal, then, you know, I mean, meanwhile, while you're doing that, you should still be, if your company has a 401k plan, like invest into your company's 401k plan, mm -hmm. get the match. Um, but then from there, you can start venturing out, you know, and uh, that's the big part is just master your savings. If you can be a master at saving pretty much at any point in your life, you're going to put yourself in a good position. Yeah, no, I mean, th those are great pieces. Those are great pieces of advice. I think one thing that I want to add on and kind of and definitely hear your thoughts on, too, is mm -hmm. something that frustrates me sometimes about this, about financials and finances and the space especially as it relates to your employer, is that 
the language is very inaccessible. Yeah, yeah. It is sometimes, especially as a young person, you sit in on a meeting where they're talking about your benefits, they're talking to you about what you can, can't do, what the 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 all of those things look like. And I leave the meeting with nothing because no one is explaining anything. It's almost it's almost explained to me as if I should know it. And that is a little frustrating when this is my first interaction with this type of product or benefits. So like what would you how would you how would you have suggested I navigate that other than being frustrated? Because I was. <laughs> well, what I would say is for a lot of employers, like they don't understand the language either, right? Mm-hmm. There's just something that as like a company, they know that they should have, right? And then they're they're hiring people and like nobody goes to school to do, I mean, like people do go to school for HR, but it's like medical benefits, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. 401k. So they're, they're explaining it the way that it's being explained to them at some capacity or even at their level of understanding it, right? They're just like, oh, I know that this is something I have to let them know. Um, so I would say one, you know, maybe for the employer, like the people that are presenting it a little bit of, you know, not saying that you're not extending this, uh, but just for those that are listening on the pod, like give them a little bit of grace because they probably don't understand what they're talking about. 100%. <laughs> but 100%. The, the second thing would be is really now that's on us as on the back end as the industry is to, you know, a lot of times when people are implementing these plans or structures, we sometimes I just have to think about the plan uh, as we got to think about explaining the plan as if it's explained to the person that doesn't that has like the least amount of knowledge possible. Right. Like, mm-hmm. how can we make this like elementary? And if you have other questions, like let's we can go have a one on one. Right. And have questions. And I think that's the biggest thing, like giving pain points, like a lot of young people like, you don't know what medical insurance, you know what I mean? Like a deductible. You know what I mean? Like, what is this? Yeah. stuff? But I think it's just our jargon right now. I mean, it's just, I mean, that's a problem that's that's been going on for a long time. I mean, because it's not just you. Like, yeah. your parents probably do the same thing. They just done it three or four times mm-hmm. with different companies. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, you know, for the listeners, it's like, they're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to hear it, hear it, hear it. You know, I usually did this and, and go to something else. But um, I think that's on the industry, I think we just got to start steering our, our vocabulary to things that are going to make sense or at least give you, extend the opportunity uh, for one-on-ones or educationals, right? Mm-hmm. Having like an educational, you know, or the advisors on those plans, being able to come out and really dig deep and give you the opportunity to understand like what those things are. Um, I think those are, those would be, be big things. So, that, so that's an idea. So for employers, yeah. you know, having their benefits, people have, you know, come out and then like re-educate. Yeah. Almost like a fireside chat, you know, like, hey, like, what do you guys don't understand? Yeah. Take maybe take it out of the meeting type con like obviously have the informational session, but then like create space to debrief definitely would be great. Um, I mean, I, I'm speaking I, I think that all of what you said is so good because it really it, it's a combination of we all need to do better. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is so true. You know, we do need to give grace to and and space to the people that are providing the information in whatever way they are. We need to encourage the industry to increase its accessibility to people that have historically been excluded. And the, and the individuals also need to take some personal accountability on what it, on understanding what their situations are, especially in these financially dependent situations, I think. Yeah, I mean, that's the story of like the human experience, right? Yeah. Like we all need each other. You yeah. know what I mean? In order for us to get this ship going the right way, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, you know, we're going to have to 
it, it takes it's not just me, right? Like I need uh whoever I'm working with to be able to, you know, sit down and be able to educate. And then and that person's gonna take it and educate two or three more people. So I that's the human experience. And now that's what I think, you know, that's what I love about problem solving. Mm-hmm. Um uh, is is the fact that you are going to have to inevitably if, if it's a big problem like we need to solve it's going to take everybody yeah right just like what you're doing you know like with the podcast like it takes multiple people oh, yeah. it takes everything man it does it takes a village but yeah we got we got to be in it for each other we got to grow with us not grow with me <laughs> uh, <laughs> i love that <laughs> uh derek so thank you so much for being on this episode it's been amazing thank you thank you it's been awesome thank you for having me uh derek it's been amazing having you on where if anything, can people stay in touch with you or, or what do you got coming up that people can get involved with? Yeah, well, you can always follow me on LinkedIn. My name is spelled D-E-R-R-I-C-K and Alexander. Thank you so much, Derek. I really appreciate it. I awesome. really appreciate your time. For our listeners of Grow With Us, I'd like to plug a few resources that might be helpful for you. If you'd like to stay in touch with all of our featured jobs and opportunities at Intulsa, then please join our talent network. You can join at talent.intulsa.com. That's talent.intulsa.com. By joining our talent network, you will get access to our newsletter where you can stay up to date with our latest career advice, featured opportunities with Intulsa partner companies, and our placement success stories. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify to be notified when more episodes of Grow With Us are released. Let us know what you think about how we're doing by rating and reviewing. Huge thank you to our editors at Rant9 Production and Jesse Ulrich. This has been Grow With Us. Grow With Us.